Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, primary voting returns to Minnesota, making your winter travel daydreams a reality, and the Twins' caravan is ready to hit the road. But first... The race for president, a state bonding bill for public works projects, and refugee resettlement were all on Minnesota's political radar screen this week, and MNN's Bill Werner joins us with a recap. Scott, this week brought the final Democratic presidential debate before the nation-leading Iowa caucuses on February 3rd. And Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar went to the podium in Des Moines, a distant fifth at 6% in the Hawkeye State. That's according to what's probably the most reliable poll for Minnesota's southern neighbor done by the Des Moines Register and CNN. Hamlin University's David Schultz says although Klobuchar did well in the December debate and had a good December for fundraising. For her basically to be stuck still in fifth, nine points behind the fourth place person is, again, not good especially in a state that she has made it make or break practically for her. The hot spot in what most analysts rated a low-key debate was when Elizabeth Warren got back up from Klobuchar as Warren stood by her accusation that rival Bernie Sanders told her in 2018 that a woman could not win the election. Sanders denies he said it. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by three million votes. How could anybody in a million years not believe that a woman could become president of the United States. Look at the men on this stage. Collectively, they have lost 10 elections. The only people on this stage who have won every single election that they've been in are the women, Amy and me. And Klobuchar chimed in. I have won every race, every place, every time. I have won in the reddest of districts. I have won in the suburban areas, in the rural areas. I have brought people with me. Meanwhile, President Trump, campaigning in neighboring Wisconsin, said he doesn't believe Sanders said that a woman could not win the election. Quote, it's not the kind of thing Bernie would say. Klobuchar now heads into the Iowa caucuses, and Hamlin University's David Schultz says how well she does depends on her ground game and on hitting that 15% viability threshold at each caucus meeting in Iowa. She has to hope that she does really well across the state uh, in terms of all these different caucuses, and that's all about what? Organizing and getting out people on that cold night. Governor Tim Walz this week rolled out the third part and the fourth and final portion of his bonding proposal for state public works projects, $447 million for building maintenance and improvements at the U of M and state colleges and universities. Another asset that must be preserved is our capital asset in human capital and that investment of preparing for the future, preparing those folks who are here. And the governor also proposed $675 million for what he calls quality of life projects. Town halls, libraries, recreational trails, transit and the like. And he's asking for $857 million for public safety improvements statewide. The plan funds critical needs like local police and fire departments, whether that's a new police station in Crystal or a fire department in Virginia. It addresses safety hazards at correctional facilities across the state, from improving perimeter security to getting the building up to code. The governor told reporters on a Greater Minnesota conference call. This is the most local projects that have ever been submitted by a governor's proposal. We need to start tackling this backlog to include local roads and bridges. House Republican Minority Leader Kurt Dowd responded local roads and bridges, railroad projects, and water infrastructure will get broad support, but... Outside of that, if they're 
kind of the things that we would consider not regionally important. They're just for one little community. We don't really, frankly, want to have those sorts of things in a bonding bill. The governor's bonding proposal totals just over $2 billion, but Senate Republicans are tossing around numbers less than half of that. Majority Leader Paul Gazelka notes even though it is a good time to borrow because interest rates are low, He says the state does have a budget surplus. We also have $1.3 billion of cash, and there's no reason we can't explore that idea as well for projects rather than bonding. Governor Walls opposes the state paying for capital projects with cash. He argues by instead paying $180 million in bond interest. We can leverage $180 million to $2 billion in projects and jobs. That's the logic behind it. And Senate Republicans this week rolled out their agenda for the upcoming legislative session, what they dubbed Vision 2020. Most prominent features, lowering the tax burden on Minnesota farmers and completely eliminating the state income tax on Social Security benefits. Governor Walls argues it's not the year for tax cuts. That's probably best left for a budget cycle of 2021. Republicans respond Walls just wants to spend that money instead. Senate Majority Leader Gazelka said because 2020 is not a budget-setting year... We don't really need a supplemental spending program, so what do we do with that $1.3 billion dollars? That's where I'm going to push to say let's give it back in some form. And a federal judge this week blocked President Trump's order that requires counties to vote on whether they will accept refugees for resettlement. The judge said the president's action does not appear to serve the overall public interest. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison agrees. It's certainly an infringement on state sovereignty. And, you know, actually it has a very ugly, pernicious effect uh, on our on our state and country. Governor Walls also applauded the federal court's ruling. I know that there will be further appeals to that, but at this point in time, we're back to something that's worked in this country basically since our beginning. President Trump argues people should be able to decide what is best for their own cities and neighborhoods. Supporters of his executive order say county boards know better than anyone else whether their budget situations can support incoming refugees. And what about Minnesota county boards that have not yet taken a vote on the refugee resettlement issue? Attorney General Ellison's advice? I'd say to the counties, consult your county attorney. Also, feel free to call the attorney general's office. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns in a moment. Look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Early voting for the March 3rd Super Tuesday presidential primary is underway in Minnesota. And Secretary of State Steve Simon says that's a big deal for a couple reasons. 
Well, first of all, this is new for us, new for our office, but new for the state of Minnesota. It's really the first time since 1956 that Minnesota has done it exactly this way, which is that voters will have the opportunity to go into uh, a government office uh, and vote in-person absentee or order an absentee ballot to come to them uh, in advance of a March 3rd election day. And they'll have an opportunity to weigh in on the major parties' presidential nominees. And that's a great thing in the sense that many more people will be able to participate in this new process than in the old or more traditional process of doing this through precinct caucuses. Uh, people who have obligations during an evening of a caucus um, usually uh, are are left out because there's no absentee provision in the caucus process. So I think one thing of concern for your listeners, though, is there are some interesting rules around this election that apply only to this contest and not to any other contest of any kind in any other year. And that is for this contest, voters will be asked to choose separate ballots for the political parties. So if a voter wishes to vote in the Democratic nomination contest, they have to say that. They have to choose that ballot, either by absentee or on Election Day, March 3rd. Um, And uh, the interesting part, uh, and what might be unsettling for some, is that the information about which party's ballot the voter has chosen, not which candidate the voter has voted for, that is always secret and sacred, but the choice of ballot will be information that is available to all four major political parties. So if a voter goes in and votes in the Democratic Party presidential primary, the record indicating that the voter has chosen the Democratic Party ballot will be in the hands of the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, and two new major parties in Minnesota devoted to the legalization of uh, recreational marijuana. So four political organizations will have that information. And I just want voters to know that because that's what the legislature wants. That's the way the legislature wrote the law in 2016. And that may give some of your listeners some pause. And I can certainly understand why it may give uh, voters pause to some extent, but do, can you tell me what is it that the political parties uh, would potentially use that information for, and why, why is there a reason for voters to be concerned about such a thing? Well, I think political parties, um, being who they are, it's in their interest to get as much information about as many people as possible when it comes to their political leanings and preferences. So uh, the idea here was that um, they will get this data and uh, probably use it in ways to target voters, maybe solicit them for money, maybe solicit them for support. What frustrates me about the path that the legislature has chosen is uh, there's no good reason, in my view, why all four parties have to have this list. Some of your listeners undoubtedly have attended a precinct caucus where there's a sign-in sheet at the precinct caucus, and it's probably no surprise to them that the information on the sign-in sheet goes to their chosen political party. But I think it would be a surprise to them if they learned that the sign-in sheet for a party precinct caucus also went to three other organizations that are not their chosen political party, and that's what we have here. It was part of an uneasy compromise that legislators settled on at the end of last legislative session in 2019. Um, I oppose it, but it is what it is, and we have to administer the law as it's written. So I don't know of a good reason why all four major political parties have We'll get all the lists, um, but there you have it. That was the uneasy compromise, and it's up to our office and others in Minnesota to administer it. 
You know, in addition to the political parties getting the information, I know your office works extensively on uh, election security. Is there any potential uh, danger down the road of bad actors who are trying to mess with our elections using this information in some way to, to market to certain people a certain way? Well, it's certainly theoretically possible. Anything that we keep track of is something that um, a potential wrongdoer could uh, get a hold of. And so, yes, election security becomes all the more important. We already have information in the major voter registration database that our office uh, runs on people's social security information, driver's license information, residential history, and so forth. So we're used to safeguarding that safe, that, that uh, very private data. This would just be another potential piece of that. You mentioned that the the early voting process begins on Friday. What do voters who want to participate in this early voting process need to do in order to fill out a ballot? The easiest thing to do is to go to our website, which is mnvotes.org. That's mnvotes.org. And they can order an absentee ballot to come to them where they live. They need not go into a county or city office, although they can do that as well and vote in-person absentee. And they can also go to that same website to find out where it is that they would go for that service. But I think increasingly Minnesotans want the ballot mailed to them where they live. And so mnvotes.org will get folks the ability to get that absentee ballot application. They can fill it out, then get an absentee ballot sent to them where they live and vote anytime up to the March 3rd general election for the presidential nominating primary. All right. Good information, Mr. Secretary. Anything else on this you wanted to add? Yes. Um, on, the, on the data piece, on the idea that four political organizations will get this data of voters' party preferences in the presidential nominating primary, one thing that concerns me and concerns our office is that there are uh, no apparent restrictions in state law on what those four political parties can do once they get that data. What can they do with it? Who can they give it to? Who can they sell it to? And so our office will have legislation on day one of the legislative session to correct that, to impose some common sense sort of guardrails on what the parties can do with it once they get it. So Minnesotans can be assured um, that there are some constraints there. Incidentally, if I were choosing this and I were to uh, start from scratch, I would make this completely private. I would make it like our August primary contest, which is different from the presidential nominating contest, where it is untraceable, where no one can ever find out what a person's party preference is. But short of that, if there's an insistence that one or more parties get the data, I think we ought to have rules of the road for what they can do with it once they get it. Uh, do you anticipate getting bipartisan support for such a measure on day one of uh, legislative session? I think so. It's just a question of how much of that bipartisan support. There's time to do this uh, and time to make it effective for this year, and I think it can and should be done. Thank you to my guest, Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon. Again, to find out more about the early voting process, you can visit mnvotes.org. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The recent cold and snow has many of us wanting to book a winter getaway. MN's Tasha Radel says it's possible and the deals are there. It's not too late to book that winter vacation. And I don't know about you, but I sure wish I had one booked. Well, it's not too late. You can still plan that winter getaway. Nicole Winter is owner and travel planner at Destination Vacation in central Minnesota. She says, believe it or not, many Minnesotans began booking their winter 
winter getaways last summer. Well, I've actually been seeing folks um, start booking already back in August. Um, so it's very common for them. Our pricing comes out in June. Um, so in August, we start booking for spring break for January, February, March. That's really high season of when the Minnesotans want to get out of here, right? Uh, so I have been seeing booking since then. However, we're in a big deep freeze right now. We have been for about a week. So it makes a lot more traffic and people going, you know what, I might not make it through the winter. It's some of those people that were hemming and hawing or on the, on the fence of deciding and things like that. So it's been really consistent since August. Um, a lot of people ask me, is there a good time to book or a bad time? And I always say it's all good, really. Nicole, are the inclusive packages still popular? Yeah, all inclusives are a really big thing. I am finding a few more people actually wanting to travel non-all inclusive. It's maybe your more seasoned traveler. So new travelers definitely want to have all inclusive. They want to know that they're taken care of and they want to know what to expect. And then there's no guessing or figuring things out when they're in destination. So, however, I have some clients um, that are very seasoned. So we're, we are looking at new destinations maybe where they don't have all-inclusive or they have that option of going non-all-inclusive. So I'm actually seeing a trend of getting away from all-inclusive, but not at a high percentage, if that makes sense. I would say um, one of the destinations that are most popular this winter would be the Dominican Republic. And I actually just returned from there two weeks ago and revisited it since it's been a few years since I've been there, and I like to repeat places and keep learning. It's very up and coming. They're building beautiful resorts. It's really good for a couple wanting a romantic getaway or families. There's some great family resorts. And we have nonstop flights with Delta and some country. It's a great value. The beaches are amazing. <laughs> They're, it's that teal water and white sand that people like. So I'm noticing the trend is leaning towards um, the Dominican Republic, but for my clients that are families, they also love Puerto Verde. Um, they love that ocean water for their kids there. The waves aren't too crazy, but they're fun to play in. But then the couples that are looking for something romantic, they're looking for some different places. We've been, we look a lot at St. Lucia and Barbados and Granada and just some, some new and upcoming islands. For somebody that maybe isn't a seasoned traveler, they've maybe this will be their first vacation and they're not really sure how to do things. Any advice for them, for them on, on where to start this process and maybe how to find that best deal or that great destination? Yeah, well, I say don't do it on your own, you know, especially if you haven't traveled a lot. Um, you don't have experience. Maybe you have knowledge from researching online, but you don't want to do it on your own. And I always say that, when you go online, all the pictures are perfect and everything else like that, but you want to kind of know the nitty-gritty and you want to know, like, the small details because that's what makes a difference. So, number one, don't do it on your do it on your own. Get a referral. Find out an experienced travel agent. Maybe that's been to those destinations. And then number two, really think about, you know, when you think of that vacation, I mean, it starts with I want to get out of here. Thanks to my guest, Nicole Winter, owner of Destination Vacation in central Minnesota. For more information, you can head to her website at NicoleWinter.com. That's NicoleWinter.com. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Up next, Mike Grimm has an update on the Minnesota Twins Caravan when Minnesota Matters returns.
You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov, the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why, one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The 60th annual Minnesota Twins Caravan begins Monday. It's a four-day, 16-city trek, and the schedule will feature visits from American League Manager of the Year Rocco Baldelli, as well as several current and former Twins players. The visits will run from January 21st through January 23rd. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down with radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, Corey Provis, to preview the upcoming Twins Caravan. Well, Corey Provis, it's that time of year again. You get to tour part of the state and uh, spread the good message of the Minnesota Twins. How much do you like uh, going out and uh, interacting with these Twins fans here in Twins territory? Hey, Mike, it's something I really look forward to uh, each year when it comes around. And the caravan is the one time of year, and I've told you this now for a few seasons, where where we come to you, where the twins come to you, wherever you reside, and because it, it takes a lot to, to make your way out to Target Field for a game or two throughout the summer. So it's great that we get to visit, you know, so many hometowns and communities throughout Twins territory. And personally, I, I like it too, not just interacting with fans, but also getting to know some of the players. You know, it, it's confined, so you get some time with them on the bus. So building relationships with those guys, it traces back to Caravan for me. Over 60 of these now in the Twins organization, and it's really unheard of uh, how long they've been able to keep this going and how well received it's been for all these years. It's the most extensive and expansive caravan that I think exists in sport, Uh, not just in baseball, but any of the sport that I can think of uh, where it's that widespread. So it's a great tradition, and I know that uh, all the participants really look forward to it every year. All right, let's talk about uh, some of the things that you think fans will be asking you about because uh, it was such a great season for this team. What do, what do you think will be some of the topics they want to hear about? Starting pitching, starting pitching, and starting pitching because that was that was the message, Mike, we got from from the front office entering the offseason. And, yes, they, you know, they brought back Michael Pineda and they brought back Jake Odorizzi. Uh, they made some other moves. Rich Hill, uh, who's going to begin the year hurt, they, they signed Homer Bailey, a veteran. But I still think they were looking to add more impactful frontline starting pitching. And as of right now, that hasn't happened. Doesn't mean it can't via trade of some sort. But I think that was the goal. They were going to tinker with the offense a little bit, and they have. But I think the, really the goal was to, to address the starting staff, and I still think there's work to be done in that front. Now, you've been on these caravans coming off of a 100-loss season. You've been on these caravans coming off of a 90-loss season, also off of a wild card. Off of Now, this will be your second year where you've been able to talk with the manager of the year. Um, how much more fun is it uh, coming off of a year like you had where you won the division, where you set the all-time home run record as a franchise in Major League Baseball? I mean, I, I, I try to remind myself every day that like, th- this is special. I mean, this is something that, in terms of wins, the second greatest season in Twins history uh, in terms of regular season victories. And, yes, another abbreviated run of the postseason. And that that hurt. I'm not going to say it took away.
away everything from the joy that we got a chance to witness throughout the summer, but certainly that's a part of it. But to see the Bomba squad do their thing, to see Nelson Cruz really capture the pulse of Twins territory in the post, you know, Joe Maurer era, I think that was fascinating. A guy that really uh, connected with fans and connected with this community in so many ways was, uh, was a treat. I didn't know that was going to happen. And now I look for more, and, you know, I look for Jose Barrios to take another step forward, and I really want to see a healthy Byron Buxton, Mike, for six months uh, because when we've seen it, it's been amazing. And I never would have thought that they were going to have the kind of season that they did unless he was a part of it, and yet they were able to do that. Uh, without the services of Byron for a large chunk of the second half of the year. So uh, the young core is back. All these homegrown players are going to be back on display. I'm looking forward to another exciting summer and hopefully uh, some more postseason baseball down the way. In your hometown, the division rival White Sox from your hometown of Chicago made some moves. And I don't know, it looks like they want to get serious about maybe uh, giving the Twins a run for their money here. What are your thoughts on, on not only the White Sox, but this division in general? Uh, I, I still think it's the weakest division in baseball, but I think it's going to be a little bit better. I think the Tigers are going to be, they're going to be struggle. They're going to be bad. I, I think the Royals will have some moments that you see, okay, this is the core that they're going to build around a little bit, but it's going to be the Indians, White Sox, and Twins. And I think as long as you dominate the Royals and you dominate the Tigers, you're going to put yourself in a spot, you know, to win this division. I think when it all comes down to it, you're going to, you know, you're going to lose some to the other divisions. But if you can dominate the weaker teams, that may be what separates who's going to win this thing come October. But the White Sox, they're they're in it. And after seeing some of their young talent last year, and we know that more is coming, uh, they're going to get Michael Kopech back. They're going to get Carlos Rodon back later in the summer. There's a lot to like about the White Sox, who they brought in. They finally saw that catching scenario because that was a disaster uh, in the post-A.J. Brzezinski era, finding some semblance of catching. So signing Grandal was big. But the White Sox, they made some statements this offseason. They, they put a lot of money into their team, and they're going to be a player. But I'm not ready to uh, just close the door on Cleveland yet either. Yes, they traded Kluber, but that's still a really good lineup. That's still a really good rotation uh, with Clevenger and Savali and Bieber. That's a really good starting staff that they still have, you know, with them. And Carrasco, who knows the impact he could have this year if he's healthy. So I'm not ready to just slam the door shut in the Indians' window either right now. All right, so you get to uh, hang out with uh, some uh, different people each year on this uh, caravan, and obviously your cities have been preset. Um, and it's always subject to change, but who do you get to hang out with uh, that uh, the fans will get to see as well? I mean, Jay Cave, uh, Twins fans know him, but then I think Alex Kirilov is, is, is a name that probably Twins fans know, but they're going to learn and, and know more about him as a guy that I'm not ruling out, you know, debuting at some point this summer with the Twins. Um, an amazing swing. He's got this this perfect, perfect textbook swing. Uh, he played some outfield, played some first base. He battled a wrist injury uh, the second half of last year. If not for that, then I think a September call-up was certainly a possibility. But I think Kirilov and Cave are certainly names that people know, but Kirilov especially, one of the best prospects the Twins have, one of the better prospects in the game. Enjoy the trip. And Burt Blylevin as well. Should, should not leave Burt out. because the Hall of Famer. Yeah, Hall of Famer, don't leave Burt out because uh, it's going to be fun. All right, sounds good. Thank All you. Right, Mike. Thank you. That's MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm with the radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, Corey Provis. If you'd like to find out if the Twins caravan is stopping in your area or for a complete schedule, you can go to the Twins webpage. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.